Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, why wait to miss Jameis Winston? If you're a Bucks fan, you might as well start missing him now. And what happened to Ryan Fitzpatrick in game two of the preseason? We're going to hear from Deshaun Jackson about that deep ball that they finally connected on. And we're going to project the winner. The starting running back position. We have one for you. The Rays, they're starting pitching. Man, their staff was terrific. They were throwing up zeros at the Boston Red Sox, the best hitting team in baseball. And the Rays salvaged one win in that series. So lots to talk about from the weekend. All that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Before we get started on this podcast, we got a special offer from our friends at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. That's right. They're going to make your jewelry selection experience unforgettable. And this is only for the listeners to our podcast here on Sports Day Tampa Bay. Go to Continental Wholesale Diamonds, and they're going to send you and that special person to the Caribbean. That's right, for a five-day, four-night cruise, totally on us. And here's what you do. You just have to make a minimum purchase of $2,000. So you can choose the cruise line and you get to choose the destination to the Caribbean if you wish to explore. That's with Andy offering you wholesale prices and the quality you deserve and a great jewelry selection. You know that you're receiving the very best when you're purchasing from Continental Wholesale Diamonds. So go see our friend Andy today or you can call them at 813-282-7375. And remember... Let Andy know you heard it from Rick and Steve at Sports Day Tampa Bay. It's Continental Wholesale Diamonds. It's where I shop. They're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150, right next to the Penthouse Club. All right, Steve, it's good to be back from Tennessee. It feels like I was there, well, I was there for about a week, but it felt longer than that. Um, Pretty fun, though, to watch those guys go at it and practice a couple days on Wednesday and Thursday. The Titans, of course, a playoff team a year ago, John Robinson, who's now their GM, used to be with Tampa Bay. A lot of familiar faces with Luke Stocker is there, Kevin Pample, also there in Tennessee. And um, just good work against the Titans. And it really it was, uh, it was interesting. Before we get to the game uh, that we're going to talk about here in just a second, on Wednesday, I thought that the, the Bucks had a great day. I mean, their, their defensive line was dominant. Jason Pierre-Paul completely just ragdog Taylor Lewin, and they got into it. And and if I could repeat what JPP said to Lewin, uh, I'd, I'd get arrested. Um, but it was funny. Uh, and then we had uh, the one-on-one drills and then also the uh, some of the team drills where Mike Evans was unworldly on Wednesday. I mean, they, they couldn't cover him. Deshaun Jackson got behind their guys. There's a lot. They're playing a lot of man press coverage. And the Bucks just had a great day. On Wednesday, and then on Thursday, you saw a team that wanted to fight back, and that was the Titans. They really did do a nice job. Um, made some interceptions in the in the in the one on one drills. Made some in the team drills. Um, it was good work for the Bucks. They made some plays too, but you could see that the Titans. Uh, and, and that's usually what happens. You know, one team feels like they get the best of you, and then the next day is not as easy. But uh, it was good work. I, I think you know both teams 
Uh, there was only a couple, you know, scuffles, if you will. No surprise, Quan Alexander was involved. Jason Pierre-Paul, one time Chris Conti just leveled Deion Lewis on a run play, which is a no-no. Of course, they're trying to hold guys up and not tackle them to the ground, and he absolutely drilled them. So that started some things. Um, but overall, uh, interesting. Because and the other thing is, too, when you're practicing against a team, it makes it makes the preseason game weird because – You've seen them. You felt them on grass. You've you've showed some of your offensive packages, and then, you know, the the coaches go back and on Friday they try to, you know, redesign things and different formations and show things a little different way, um, so that you know the team you just practiced against doesn't know everything. But when we got to the game, a um, couple thoughts. One would be that uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was not very good. That might be an understatement. Um, they did move the ball up and down the field a little bit, but he was 5 of 13 for just 46 yards. He missed some some critical throws, one to O.J. Howard uh, deep in the red zone. He managed only a field goal in the first quarter when he was there. So not the performance that he had in Miami when you know he took him right down the field, was very sharp. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about you know Fitzpatrick and sort of where he's at in his career and, and, and what warning signs there might have been from this game. On the other hand, though, Jebu, unbelievable. Unbelievable. This guy was on fire, period. 18, uh, 13 of 18 for 226 yards in a quarter. I mean, damn near throwing for 1,000 yards if you did that for four quarters. Um, two touchdowns, including just maybe the best sign that we've seen in two preseasons, a 54-yard bomb, uh, just a dime to start that drive. Uh, that went 91 yards for a touchdown uh, to Deshaun Jackson, the 54-yarder, got things rolling there. Um, I don't know, Steve, if you go back and you have a chance to watch, there's there's a couple things Jameis did really well. One was um, just his feet, uh, you know, moving around in the pocket, uh, you know, setting his feet, making throws, finding guys that maybe the timing or the rhythm was a little bit off. He was very accurate for the most part. Um and, uh, you know, he, he, but there was still, you know, obviously the one crazy Jameis play where he's got a guy wrapped around his leg, he's falling down, he sort of throws it up for grabs, and Chris Godwin comes down with it for a touchdown. So he was so hot that even his bad plays were good, um, which is sort of what we, they went through a year ago when, if you remember on Hard Knocks, Dirk Cutter just screaming at him during a similar throw in Cincinnati. Um, but it was uh, – you know what was startling about it, Steve, was you realize – Look at the difference in these two quarterbacks. I know it's one game, right? And maybe Jameis was in there when there were some guys that weren't necessarily all starters for Tennessee. But regardless, uh, there's a huge drop-off in this league between your starter and your backup. Well, and I think you put it best, too, when you said it wasn't just that you know he had gaudy stats or anything, but it was look at his footwork. Look at the way he was moving you know, in and out of the pocket. Yeah, and Those are things that – you know, for at least one game was a drastic improvement over last year and the years before. He that. got better, and it's he and, got better. And, and look, we sometimes forget with him; he's still twenty-four years old. Yeah, yeah. And, and just for comparison's sake, and you know, and, and for quarterbacking, granted, it's his fourth year in the NFL. But do you realize Tom Brady, when he came to the NFL, was twenty-three? Yeah, you know, Brady, you know, didn't start right away and, and all that, but. And, and, you know, even when well, Brady won his first Super Bowl, he wasn't the Brady we know today. It was mostly look, pay, running uh, the defense that did it. But uh, it takes I mean, time a lot for of guys, quarterbacks to grow. Yeah, a lot of guys. Like, uh, I, I I think Peyton Manning was 30 when he won his first Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Or, no, probably older. Probably maybe even older than that. 
Um, Matt Ryan was 30 or 31 when he went to the Super Bowl with Atlanta. You know, um, I think it was Drew Brees was was 30 uh, when he won a Super Bowl that I might have been thinking of instead of Mamie Manning. But but most of these quarterbacks that that go to the promised land uh, and pull it off are in their 30s. You know, mm-hmm. that that's that's just the way it goes. I mean, that that's the position you have to you have to master your craft. You have to, uh, uh, you know, be healthy. You have to be on good enough football teams where very often guys like um, whether it's Jameis or even I'll say Marcus Mariota, when you when you're drafted that high, you're going to very incomplete football teams. That's why they have the mm-hmm. pick. They've won two or three games. And so it takes a number of years for your team to get better because football teams, the best team usually wins the Super Bowl. They might have a really, really good quarterback, but you know, like the Philadelphia Eagles last year, Nick Foles did an unbelievable job when Carson Wentz went down. But you know what? That was a really great football team. Um, and these guys did not go to good football teams. But I, I think the difference, Steve, between between a guy like Fitzpatrick who's played, you know, started 119, 120 games in this league and he's 35, so there's obviously an age difference in terms of his athleticism, his footwork, like you said, his movement, and things like that. And he should be able to make up for a lot of those with his experience. The difference is, but in, in my opinion, between starter and backup is consistency. Mm-hmm. For any one singular game, Brian Fitzpatrick can go out there and carve you up. Mm-hmm. He just can't. In the right set of circumstances against the right looks um, for one game, he could be on fire, but he's not going to do it every week. He's not. You're not going to know what you're getting every week with Ryan Fitzpatrick at this point in his career or with most backups. With most backups, you know, you can't say, hey, today they're going to play great. Even Nick Foles, when he, when he took over the reins from Carson Wentz, was bad mm-hmm. for like three weeks. They had to redo had to a lot of that him. offense to, yeah, for him to be to comp- at the level he played in the playoffs. That's right. You credit Peterson for that because they went to a bunch of RPOs read pass options to make it easier for him um, and, and and something he was comfortable doing and sort of adapted around him. So it's it's just you're not going to get it week to week to week. And I'm telling you, that game, as much as any preseason game could ever do, um, illustrated the the gulf and the gap between what the Bucks would have had had Jameis not been suspended to start the season in New Orleans versus what they're going to have to find a way to win with, uh, which is Ryan Fitzpatrick for three weeks. And it's and it and it just to me at least it drove home the point that, look, Fitzpatrick's completely capable of winning a game, maybe even two. Um, but he's gonna need tons of help. And the chances of him being consistent aren't nearly as good as it would be for Winston. And I, I and, agree, and but that, but Winston still has to show that the improvements he showed in this one game. You're right. That he can consistently do. Now it's very you know You're right. it's good to see that and this was a drastic improvement over the last few years in the way he mm-hmm. was playing the game. So that's a good sign. <laughs> until until that one throw. <laughs> well, it, it, well, and that's still that's still the biggest problem with Jameis uh, is yeah. there's still the look, he's never going to be Peyton Manning or Tom Brady with the ball who protects it at all no. costs. That's never gonna no. be his game. He is more like but he, Brett Favre, Eli Manning. He's gonna take some risks. And it's just right. figuring out the right times to take that risk. And and right. he lucked out with the, the, the touchdown was, pass yeah. to Godwin. Uh, that was insane. You know, you'd yeah. rather settle for a field goal there than to get Absolutely. it picked off with that kind of throw. And it turns out Godwin came down with the catch. But yeah. you know, he should have yeah. just thrown that one away and lived for the next down. Sure. Absolutely. But, and 
He hasn't learned that yet. Right. Well, but but in this game, he made one questionable play. Right. No, Where, that's true. You know, and so that's a good sign. I mean, you know, like I said, he's never gonna he's never gonna not be a risk taker overall. No, that's just, no, that's, just no. that's his style. That's what he is. Mm-hmm. So you have to adapt around that and get him to understand situationally when to take those risks and when not. There to. you go. Yeah, right. First quarter down by a field goal, you don't want to throw the ball away there. You want to take the field goal, whatever, and understand where where you fit in uh, in protecting the ball and, and giving your team a chance. But but he is no undeniably he's better just watching his footwork. Uh, it was the way he moved in the pocket, the way he got out of trouble, and I'm not talking about the crazy play to Godwin. Um, you know, how about the touchdown that got called back um, to Chris Galdon? Mm-hmm. That was an unbelievable movement and throw. Uh, you know, the, the touchdown he threw uh, to the rookie, Justin Watson, was a phenomenal throw. But again, he has to move, get his feet, get his shoulders square, move out of the pocket, and he throws a dime. Um, so he was very active, um, you know, in, de- in delivering the ball, uh, for the most part, very accurate. Um, just, just made big time, big time play after play after play after play. I mean, you know, and and for a quarter, you look up and you go, guy's got two hundred twenty six yards in mm-hmm. a quarter. You know, I mean, that's that's phenomenal. Well, so and, you know, the stats don't impress me as much because we also know that the Titans weren't game planning for the Bucks. No, that's and, and true. so they're not running a defense you would see in the regular season per se, where you know you scout sure. and, and game plan. But it was it was the visual things of the way he moved his feet, the way he moved in and out of the pocket. Yes, those kind of things are what you know. It doesn't matter what the defense throwing. is; he was doing. You yeah, know, that was a noticeable improvement in his game. Right, and and I mean, you know, the the deep ball to Deshaun is something they've repped over mm-hmm. and over and over and over again, and he actually hit him this time, and so. All those things were good and equally bad on the other side was, you know, being down there third down and Fitzpatrick didn't put it on himself, I guess, uh, rather than um, O.J. Howard. But they had a, they had an easy completion there and the ball was thrown wide. Now, I suspected maybe O.J. was supposed to feel the leverage and then break out of it. But um, regardless, you know, he's got position, so that ball's got to be completed. Um, but we've seen improvement in the things they needed to improve on and I'll tell you the guy that's having a great camp and it's translating on the field even though they've given him some light days in practice um, but he showed up on Saturday night and that's Deshaun Jackson and Deshaun Jackson has been playing pretty much like that in training camp um, all year long has a great attitude been repping the things that they need to they need to rep in fact here's what Deshaun Jackson said after a year of trying to connect on a deep ball and they finally got it done with Jameis Winston. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I say, it's just been working on our craft and doing the best we can to execute them plays. Last year was tough, um, you know, getting them down the field throws and good plays. So something we've been uh, keying in on. And, you know, if we can have a lot of productive plays, Mike had one down the field. Um, it's going to help our offense be very explosive. And uh, we got a lot of weapons, man, a lot of options for them quarterbacks to drive back and throw the ball to. So just excited about that. And, um, you know, we don't want to peak too soon, but, you know, I think everybody's ready for that first game in, in, uh, in New Orleans. So we're going to keep doing what we need to do, take it a, a game at a time. But definitely that's, that's what we're looking forward to. So a couple other things about that game before, uh, before we move on. I, I, you know, I'm impressed by what they're doing on offense and, and particularly what Todd Munkin is doing and calling the plays. Look, um, I know it's preseason, and sometimes it just means that your third team is better than the third team of the guys that you're playing against. But – in reality, most of the scoring has occurred early in games, and those are all key players or starters for both teams. And when you know, 
when you when you score like they have in these last two games, Steve, I mean they had you know putting up thirty points even in preseason game is something you know especially when you're following up a, a twenty six point um, which should have been twenty seven point game at Miami. So Todd Munkin's doing a nice job of calling the game. They're doing a good job of executing the game plan, and you'd rather see that uh, than than what I've seen across the NFL, which is many teams playing sloppy football, mm-hmm. turning the ball over. Um, you know, that's another thing that, uh, you know, that you can note with the Bucks. They've, they've not, from a quarterback position, they've not had a turnover yet. Yeah, it's also been is, two, two really games, yeah, two games both on the road, too. Not that the, yes. not that the preseason crowds are the same and the atmosphere, <laughs> yeah, right. but, but still it's, it's not at your but home it's not stadium, your environment. You're, you're, you know, you're, yeah. you're away from home, you're going through all those motions and, uh, you know, yeah. generally you don't play as well on the road in the NFL. Right, and that's all three quarterbacks that protected the ball. Ryan Griffin, another strong appearance for him late in the game, six of eleven for eighty-eight yards uh, with a touchdown. So um, he has another good outing. Of course, he had the big game uh, at Miami. Um, yeah, so I mean, there there were some really really good things, and you know, even Dirk Cutter had to say uh, that that you know when you sit back and, and and watch it, that you know Winston was just really hot in the second quarter, and he was impressed with the footwork and some of the things he was doing. What he wasn't impressed about, though, was the typical Jameis, no, 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 yes, 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 play. Yeah, well, you, you saw the play. So, unfortunately, though, the Bucks are going to have to be three weeks without Jameis Winston. Um, he'll play, uh, of course, this third preseason game. The Bucks have their opener, the preseason opener, on Friday night against the Detroit Lions. Uh, again, I would assume that Fitzpatrick will start, and typically you play your starters you want to play them the first half and then bring them back maybe for a series in the second half. It'll be interesting to see if they let Fitzpatrick do all that or do they mix in Winston while the first team offensive line and some other guys are on the field. And I suspect that'll be the case, but I'm not sure. Um, you know, So with respect to uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, again, 5 of 13, 46 yards. And you know they had plays to be made. This is the thing. like They were playing press coverage, man coverage, and so his guys were winning. I mean, they started the game with a throw down the field to Mike Evans where he just airmailed. And then there was another play where Deshaun Jackson got behind the defense, but Fitzpatrick does not have the arm strength that he that he once had. And that ball got caught in the wind, man. And it was just, you know, it was way short and underthrown. Um, one that he should have probably given, you know, given Deshaun a much better chance of, uh, of catching a deep ball there. So, he was not as sharp, and I talked to Ryan Fitzpatrick after the game. Here's what he had to say about his performance and also what it was like standing on the sideline watching Winston do it. Yeah, I, I thought uh, I thought I left some throws out there, you know, some some stuff that um, I could have done a better job on. But, you know, overall, um, you know, being in there for a quarter, didn't get in a great rhythm throughout that quarter. I, but sitting back and watching that second quarter, uh, you know, to have you know, Jameis throw for 200 and whatever yards he did in one quarter and a couple touchdowns, just watch all those guys running the routes and the way we protected was was pretty fun to watch. Ryan Fitzpatrick struggled in week two. Week three, you want to get him and Jameis both reps because it's basically the last time your first team offensive line, et cetera, is going to play. You're not going to play them game four for the most part. Correct. Does his struggling in week two mean he's going to play more in week three and Jameis plays less? Because you've got to get ready for the first three games of the season, and it's going to be Fitzpatrick's oh, last chance to get ready for the regular season. 
does this change your game plan based on the way that the two quarterbacks looked in week two? I, I, my, my initial reaction is no, it would not, because I don't think you ever want to overreact to a preseason game, um, however bad, bad or good it was. You know, if Fitzpatrick had done what Jameis did, I don't think that means he should play less. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that, I think to be honest with you, the way coaches think is, you know, they want to give their players the experience of sort of having to play a half because it's a conditioning thing. Mm-hmm. You know, regardless of when they, you know, in, in, in of course the starters won't play at all in the fourth game. So they'll go almost two weeks without feeling um, something that even closely resembles an NFL game. And then, and this is always a big deal, every, every opening day is like this. They're going to go out there, and for the first time in a year, um, these players are going to have to play all four quarters, high leverage, you know, every play matters, every fight for every inch. And that's, and that's regular season speed, which is a whole new thing. But conditionally, conditioning-wise, they've not have done it. They're going to be gasping for air. There's going to be a lot of guys that are tired. And until you start to get in shape by playing full four quarters regular season football, it's very hard to adjust. Now, I will say this, that no matter what the results are, Dirk Cutter will be thinking about one thing at some point on Friday night when they play the Detroit Lions, and that's going to be get Fitzpatrick out of the game healthy. Um, mm-hmm. The la- you know, No matter how much confidence and, and great things he has to say about Ryan Griffin, and look, Griffin has played as well as you can play for a guy who's you know in his fifth year without ever having taken an NFL snap, but you do not want a doomsday scenario where you know you don't have Jameis, something happens to Fitzpatrick, and you're looking at a guy who's never taken an NFL snap, and now you're trading for ter- Teddy Bridgewater or or you know having to scramble to find somebody to come in here and back up Ryan Griffin for three weeks. So I, I suspect they'll want to get in there, move the ball. So one thing Fitzpatrick has done is he has moved the ball up and down the field, even though. He wasn't very good in the red zone the other night, um, but but they they've shown the ability to you know to protect and move the football. Um, I don't think I would play him anymore because he had a bad game. I would hope that he's in in you know more rhythm. Well, I guess it's not playing him more, but I don't know how much they plan on sprinkling Jameis Winston and say in the first half at all. And does that well, do they it, reduce again, that, that time for Fitzpatrick? I guess is my yeah that. That gets back to your line play, right? Like mm-hmm. like who do you want? You know do you, do you, you know. And they're in a weird, they're in a terrible place with that offensive line. I'll tell you why. Demar Dotson is just now coming back, right? They're trying to ease him into eleven on eleven. He played about fourteen to sixteen snaps. Now the weird thing was, the Bucks had the ball a hell of a lot in that first half the other night. They had the ball, they had like forty five offensive snaps or something like that. That's a ton. And so, you know, if if that's the way the game goes, then you know you're you're going to have to adjust to that because hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You don't want to make wholesale substitutions and then put Jameis you know, behind a really bad offensive line. So, you know, how long they have the ball, how many snaps, they, how long they possess it. 
I mean, all that sort of factors into who goes in when. Um, but I'm sure Dirk would like to get a more extended feel for Fitzpatrick. And Fitzpatrick would benefit, based on what we just heard him say, in that he can get into a rhythm. You know, if you know you're going to be out of the game in a quarter, um, very hard to sort of like, you know, not press and, and, and not try to make every play. Um, and, and that's not what you'll be doing, you know, during the regular season. So, um, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, it's a great question, and I don't really have a definitive answer. I think the plan will be to play them both. Um, I would suspect that, you know, they want to protect Winston with the, as much of the offensive line as they can spackle together with the, with the injuries they've had. That, that's just kind of where they're at. But, but, but for confidence sake, for a lot of reasons, I think Fitzpatrick needs to be closer to the quarterback he was at Miami than certainly the one, you know, that he was in Tennessee on Saturday night. So, Steve, because I was in Tennessee with the Bucks, I didn't have much of a chance to watch the Rays. Of course, they're not broadcast locally, but I was trying to follow from afar, and it uh, certainly looked like they had, of course, a great series at Yankee Stadium. They took two out of three from the Yankees, which for many of these young players, uh, first trip you know, uh, inside Yankee Stadium to play that team, still a very, very good baseball team. And then uh, on to Boston, the hottest hitting baseball team, the best record in baseball, but, uh, you know, couple of scuffling around the first two games they lose and then uh the, the, but the pitching came around like nobody's business i mean they wind up winning two to nothing on sunday so they secure at least one win against the red Sox, and then they also have a winning uh road trip uh through the al east but these guys went like 14 innings without allowing a run to the boston red Sox at fenway only the second team this year to shut out the red Sox at fenway park yeah, they went 14 innings, the last 14 innings without giving up a run. 15 of the last 16 innings without giving up a run. The only run in, in the last 16 innings was a J.D. Martinez home run in, in inning number three on Saturday. Um, wow. Friday they, wow. Start, Friday they started off, they, they got a 3-0 lead in the first inning. You're thinking, all right, this is good, but they're going to need to add some more. Well, turns out the Red Sox in their methodical fashion just kept scoring runs and yep. runs and runs, and they lose 7-3. to Saturday they give up four runs in the first, a bad first inning. After that, they locked it down. They lose five to two, and then Sunday they shut them out two nothing. Got to be a huge boost for the Rays. I mean, oh, yeah. a lot of these players, you know, look, this team's not going to make the playoffs. We know that. A lot of these players are going to New York for the first time, Boston for the first mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Never played there. These are, you know, two of the best teams in baseball. Huge crowds. They're sold out every night. That for them to go in there and challenge, and Boston is just a amazing I mean, their lineup is just so thick and incredible that that's i mean as a pitcher it's got to be intimidating right. to, to go up against that lineup and, and for them to oh, shut yeah. them out for the last 14 innings up there you know that's that's saying something that that there's a lot of a lot of potential in this team and that's you know they're building for 2019 and 20 and and even though they only won one of three against boston seeing how the la- the the, you know, the last essentially two games played out there's a lot of promise there there absolutely is, and, and you know, when was I mean, look, and they got all these funky roles and the opener and this sort of thing, but clearly it works, right, mm-hmm. uh, and has worked for them. Um, but when was the last time you've seen a pitching staff like the entire staff have this many quality quality appearances? I mean, yeah, they put it now. They put them in good positions, right? I mean, if you know, if there's mm-hmm. a couple of lefties coming up, they're going to bring in a left-hander. Okay, so, and but that's 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 their job. That's their job is to is to go in and get guys out, mm-hmm. um, and the Rays have, have put their pitchers in in a win position. Um, but when was the last time you've said, 
you know what? There's no one in that bullpen I don't think I'd trust for an inning or two. I mean, I kind of thought about that today. I was like, okay, they're going to come with this guy. Now they're coming with that guy. There's a couple guys that are, you know, that have been shuttling back and forth between Durham and here that, you know, Austin yeah. Pruitt, you're not confident if they've got a lead. Uh, Jamie Schultz has, you know, he's shown some stuff, but not, right, not real right. confident. But the guys that are, that they're are not on the quite team the now, major leaguers. Well, sure, yeah. sure, yeah. Um, you know, Adam Kalerik with the save in New York, uh, coming in with the bases loaded, nobody bases out. Bases loaded, nobody out. Are you kidding me? Um, you know, and, and he was, you know, he pitched the last inning and a third on Saturday. He was up warming late in the game on Sunday. They ended up using Romo right. instead, who got the save, uh, his 100th mm-hmm. save of his career. Congratulations to Sergio. Um, but, yeah, I mean. Uh, How about Beeks, for example? Oh, Beeks, Beeks was, Beeks pitched very well against his old team, too. And, you know, he had two appearances had at, at Fenway Park before, and they weren't very good for Boston. Um, right. Even Tyler Glass now, um, you know, he struggled in the first inning and bounced back. And, and you know, he went six and two-thirds, giving up five runs, four of them earned, but four of those were in the first inning, and then he locked it down after that. He gave up the one home run to J.D. Martinez after that. But, you know, for him to after giving up four in the first to pretty much lock it down for the next five and two-thirds innings was very good for him. Yeah. I mean, they got some guys, you know, like uh, Alvarado, you know, his control can get away from him. I mean, he came mm-hmm. in and struck out the side today but or yesterday, but he, he still, you know, had a 3-0 count on the first guy he faced. So, I mean, there's some guys that you're not exactly sure. Diego Castillo opened getting. on Sunday. He was the 16th starting pitcher that the Rays have used this year. Amazing. Or pitcher to Amazing. start a game. I don't know if we call him a starting pitcher, but – would you say that among if you were to list the stories in baseball this year and you said okay Red Sox just yeah, crazy out of gates yep. Oakland's crazy. comeback right now I would put up historically there. good Oakland Oakland's comeback has been phenomenal arugula it's been unbelievable um but before long the Rays the Rays are race, absolutely up there and they're pitching well they were tanking uh, they were tanking this season don't well, forget that. that. that uh, right? No. I hey, listen. I I'm happy to say they were going to lose 100. I said they're going to lose 100. They're going to. Mark Tompkin did. By the way, go to Tampa yep. Bay. I was just going to bring that up. <laughs> it's awesome. Mark Tompkin pulled out all the ugly things that everybody said uh, and wrote, uh, including him. By the way, himself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. about the Tampa Bay Rays and just where the, how how dreadful. And almost, in some cases, historically bad. This season was going to be blasphemous. But actually, they were talking about the Baltimore Orioles and the Kansas City Royals. They didn't realize that, but they wrote about the wrong team. They wrote about the wrong team. But they they were they were basically calling the Rays a scourge on baseball, like Mm -hmm. you know, an affront to the game. Um, And and how dare they, you know, get rid of Evan Longoria and all these players and. And, you know, the payroll being so low and they're just openly tanking and, you know, this is an abomination and how can they do this? And all the while, guess what? They knew exactly what they were doing. Now, did they know it was going well? To I don't know if they knew. Way? Look, they knew Probably they had, they knew they had young guys like J- Willie Adamas and Jake Bowers that were ready to come up at some point. They were going to come up at some point. They yeah. thought they were going to have Honeywell. Anthony Bonda, of course, had pitched with them, and he he's have Tommy John. You know, there's some other players like that. I mean, they thought. I don't know if they they actually thought they could hover around 500. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. But I honestly believe they didn't think they were tanking. Uh, you know, they never thought they were tanking. It, no. It's sometimes hard, to, you know, because you know Evan Longoria and Corey Dickerson and Steven Souza, and you know their names, and they've been around a few years, and you start to think right. that the team can't survive without them. Well, they weren't doing very well with them. Now, it wasn't because right. of those guys necessarily. Right. But, 
you know, the one thing the, the Rays have have shown, and you kind of have to with the financial situation in baseball, is they're not afraid to shake things up if it ain't working. Nope. You know, so look, the last four seasons, the last four seasons weren't working. Mm-hmm. So they weren't married to anybody on the team. I think you know, and no. it, and you know, you start looking at the haul they got back for some of these guys. I mean, Evan Longoria, you got rid of his contract. You got Denard Span. You got um, Christian Arroyo, who's hurting the minors right now, but he's a promising infielder. Maybe not a starter for you, but a, a utility backup infielder for you. You hope. Um, you know, you start looking at Chris Archer, the haul we got from. I mean, you know, loving. Tyler Glass now and Austin Meadows is supposed to be great in AAA and then the the pitcher Boz that's going to be it's down in at Princeton Rays right now it'll be a few years till he's up here you're loving those haulbacks that they're getting um, the Steven Souza Jr. trade got you Anthony Bonda we were really high on him now he's had Tommy John surgery and will be out another season but you know right. you start looking at the the haulback they're getting for people and somebody did an article and I, I can't remember where it was but it's talking about all the players that Delman Young has gotten the race. Oh, yeah. That that yeah, trade started right. it all. And then who they traded him for, and then those guys who they traded them for, and the, the amount of players and the, the type of team they have, because, all because it started from Delman Young's trade. Yeah. It's really incredible, actually. I wish I, 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 wish I, I could remember what, where that article was. You could probably Google it and find it. But Yeah, I, I love what they've done with their team, and, and they're not, they're not uh, boring to watch at all, um, even though their offense is limited. They've, they've struggled there, and that would make sense, right, when you got rid of, um, you know, guys like Ramos and you know, not Ramos, but uh, well, Ramos, yeah. You, you, when you yeah, trade Wilson Ramos, yeah. Etcheverry, when Daniel Wilson, Robertson Ramos, went down, Etcheverry, uh, you're yeah. really missing right-handed bats in this lineup. That's what you, yeah. That's what that's you really mean. what that's really what's missing right now is you don't have enough right-handed bats in this lineup. Yeah, yeah. And CJ Crone is on a hot streak again, but when he's not swinging a bat, you just don't you don't have the mm-hmm. offense. You know, Kira Myers well documented up in inning. How about G-Man um, Choi got a stolen base today? I saw that, man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> they forget he was over Clean there? Clean swipe, too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I like the G-Man. He's got a nice game, man. He really does. Hits, hits the big fly once in a while. Yeah. I get it. You know, you got to have a guy like that on your ball club, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So he's been he's been fun. I don't know. I, I've enjoyed knowing that there, you know, the two games over 500 again. Um, you know, they come home now for a little bit and, uh, you know, it, it'd be nice for them to, to have a winning season at least, uh, you know, cause I think they, they kind of deserve mm-hmm. it after all they've been through, but what they did this year with this opening pitcher thing is going to become a trend in baseball. And at minimum, it's going to be a, be a trend in the small market teams. And I'm not sure when you look at teams like the Yankees and their bullpen, the Red Sox that you, you know, unless you have Chris sale, uh, or maybe David Price if he's on, although he's never been a good good postseason pitcher, um, you know. Or you've got you know Tanaka's on, and one of these guys, you're going to see teams do this, particularly in the postseason where they're using four and five pitchers, and they're coming in in the third, the fourth, the fifth innings, and that's going to be it. Well, for instance, um, you know Ryan Stanek, he's he's done really well in the opener role. I mean, he gave up some runs Friday to Boston, but that's Boston, and yeah, for the most okay. part, he's done really good in the opener. But role. when you put him late in the games. He has not pitched anywhere near as well. I know, and it's a, I, it, I believe this opener thing is half of it's a mental thing for these guys. Mentality, Some of these guys yeah. struggle late in the game it, with the pressure yep. they put on themselves. They just don't pitch yep. as well. That right. by putting Stanick early in the games, all of a sudden it was you know if I give up a run, okay, it's the first inning, it's one nothing. It that doesn't right. matter. 
takes the pressure off of them. Yeah, yeah. it's not. That it's leverage. A, it's it's a one run game in the eighth, and I'm pitching. And yeah. now, and now and it, the you know you start puckering a little bit. Well, sure, because the hardest three outs are the last three outs in baseball. But I mean, um, you know, those guys have done really, really well. Some of them, like Stanek, in the in the front of the uh, of the rotation and pitching for an inning or two. So. I just think it's going to be – I don't think it's going away. I think you're going to see other teams do it. I think the Rays are going to continue doing it until they, they – You've get. already seen a team or two you know, do it once or twice this year. Dodgers have dabbled mm-hmm. in it. The Twins mm-hmm. have dabbled in yep. it. Um, and you're going to see, even though the Dodgers are a big market team, you're going to see small market teams. And I think when we get to the postseason, you might see it. I well, really do. You're already kind of seeing – I mean, you're generally in the postseason in the past, you've started starters. But, yeah, you're taking them out in third, fourth inning. You know, sure you are. Give up two runs and, okay, let's make the change. we got a yeah. bullpen. Let's use it. Um, so you know the, the philosophies have do? changed. Compl- oh, the Yankees absolutely. They're you only need your you only need your starter end. to go four innings. You're fine. You're loaded in the back end. You bring in a guy that throws ninety five. The next guy throws ninety eight. The next guy throws a hundred. You know, it's like Bing Bang Boom. So and what's crazy um, this year though is that it might be Yankees in Houston for the wild card because <laughs> o- Oakland has caught Houston. That's amazing. Oakland's the hottest team in baseball. I mean, the Red Sox are <laughs> phenomenal, but Oakland's playing out of its mind. Would right Oakland now. still wind up in? With, play, would they wind up playing the Yankees then if the Yankees were to win? The um, no, because the wild card winner would play Boston. Okay. So if Oakland won the division, now they've caught Houston, they're tied. But I'm saying yeah. Houston, who is the world champs, and everyone pretty much thinks Boston, the Yankees, and Houston are the best three teams in baseball. You might yeah. get Houston and Yankees playing for the wild card. Well, and Houston's drop off. Yeah. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, can can be also attributed to the injuries and especially Jose Altuve. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's yeah, a reason they, why they, he's they, the yeah. best player on their team. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're look, they're still playing 600 baseball. They're 74 and 49. Oh, yeah. No, they've had an okay year. Most teams would take that yeah, and walk Which is just crazy that the Red Sox are over 700. They're playing 704 baseball. They're 51 games above 500 on August 19th as we take this. And I, and I Baltimore, that, Baltimore in the divisions, fifty games under five hundred. Is it Baltimore? Or Tor- one of those teams is fifty games out of first place. I think it was Toronto. Baltimore is fifty and a half out. God, they're, man, they're fi- is... Baltimore is fifty games under five hundred on August nineteenth. How does that look on a scoreboard? Their record is essentially crazy. there's uh, Boston's eighty eight and thirty seven. Baltimore's thirty seven and eighty seven. Oh, so you just hold it up. They're to reversed. The yeah, they're reversed. Yeah. yeah, Toronto's actually eighteen games ahead of Baltimore. They're actually they actually mirror the yeah. best team in baseball. Yeah, and Kansas City's not much better. They're forty seven games below five hundred. I mean, I've never that's that's terrible baseball. That's just wow. Yeah, they're playing a three a three oh nine clip. Baltimore's at a two ninety eight clip. Yeah. Yeah, that might be what's uh probably not helping their attendance up in those places. I don't know. When you're that many games out, I don't know what you're I mean, Baltimore's 37 and a half games out of the wild card. Actually, they've already been eliminated. <laughs> They're eliminated from the postseason already. Toronto and Kansas X. City are close, but Baltimore's actually been eliminated. Do you get the check or do you get the X? What is, what is the symbol when you're out um, of it? Is there, is there one? No, they just have an E next to the E number, which is the elimination <laughs> number. They, it's E. They're eliminated. I don't, oh, know how, I don't know when they got eliminated, but they are eliminated. <laughs> wow. Well, the Rays aren't, and that's a good thing, I guess, but uh, – <laughs> You know, I, I I guarantee you that there are there are many people in baseball paying attention to what the Rays are doing and hoping that the Rays show them the way um, because they're willing to go ahead and do it and it's been successful. So again, my manager of the year, uh, he won't win know, it. Um, you know, I think it, Alex Cora is going to get it because of oh, how sure, good Boston. Bob Melvin may as Oakland continues to 
uh, yeah. surge and, and maybe ends up winning the, the uh, AL West. Um, yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. And Mark Tompkins wrote about this. It won't happen, but uh, for Rookie of the Year, how about Joey Wendell? It's hard to argue that there's too many players that are more valuable to their team than him. And, you know, he and Daniel Robertson have both been so valuable to this team as far as where they can play, the level they can play in the field. And then they've both been good offensively, too. Dependable. They've gotten huge hits. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, huge home runs, even though they haven't hit a ton of them, but they've all been all been pretty big. So we'll see how the Rays wrap up this season. they still got, uh, what, another month and a half to go, I guess, um, before it's all said. Yeah, and about done. six so. weeks or so. It ends, uh, what, September 30th, I think, is the last game. Yeah. Boy, Lightning training camp is just around the corner. We got college football next week. Is that right? No, Saturday, there's actually a few games, not – Wow. None of, you know, major significance. But next Thursday night is when it really kind of kicks off, and then Labor Day weekend, of course. Yeah, I can't wait for college football, man. It's the best to wake up and watch college game day and those precious home Saturdays when the Bucks aren't away. Uh, go out and cook some steaks, man, just college football all day. And then it gets even better when it gets a little crisp, like around November, December, and you're out there, you know, and the humidity's – oh, I can't. I can't wait. It's going to be phenomenal. Uh, before we uh, wrap up, I want to go uh, just quickly back to the Bucks. I think I mentioned, Steve, if I didn't uh, during the segment, that um, the running back position is pretty much done as far as the starter goes. Uh, Ronald oh, Jones, I, right? He, the rookie dra- <laughs> draft pick, no. he's going to be the starter? Ronald Jones has more carries than yards this preseason. It's terrible. Um, he, he didn't have a good game and, and you know didn't have a great practices up there. Put the ball on the ground a couple, day, a couple times on Thursday. No, but it's Peyton, Peyton Barber has been – how are you not impressed with this guy? You can watch him in practice and not really think he's much, but what, you, what, what really shows up has is, is been in the preseason games when he can finish runs. You know, he can use his pads and they got to bring him to the ground. And, boy, he's been a tough out. He's averaging over five yards a carry, has been physical, been quick, looks a lot quicker, has caught the ball well. He can certainly play all three downs if you need him to. Um, but, you know, and Barber will make no bones about it. You ask him – how he's approached this season, he goes, "I want the starting job. That's 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 what I'm that's that's what I'm going. I'm gunning for this. My job. I want the starting job." And he'll tell you uh, that uh, he will. He's playing every game and every down like it's his last. Well, and you that's, wrote that's about in today's Tampa Bay Times too about his motivation yeah. and going back to you know when he was drafted and came out of college early with his family uh, having a lot of financial sure. struggles and you know just how motivated he is. Extremely cut by the Bucks, you know, as a rookie, undrafted free agent after his sophomore year, and and you know, mom was homeless, living with his sister, and she had three kids, and so, you know, he's overcome a lot. He's also, um, you know, a guy that has dyslexia, you know, so he he's had to battle that problem as well. But uh, really serious kid, good guy, and and it could be a real success story. But but has has done what you want him to do, started games fast. Um, finished runs, you know, had some explosive runs, scored touchdowns, done everything he he did, he should do, and I think he'll be rewarded at least. And again, the, he's not going to get the ball thirty times a game. They're going to use Ronald Jones, and he's going to use him a lot. And Ronald Jones, at the end of the year, will probably be getting as many or perhaps even more carries than Peyton Barber will. We don't know, um, but but Barber has uh, has really stepped up and earned this position. And so, go to TampaBay.com if you want to read that story online uh, from me. Hey, uh, as always, guys, we love the participation in this show. We get so much feedback from you guys on the podcast, um, and we appreciate uh, each and every one of you. We've got lots of new sponsors coming aboard. 
Uh, we want you to interact with us when you can. Yeah, we're going to do a mailbag at some point this week. Not sure which day yet, but uh, go ahead and start sending your sure. questions in now. Yeah, that would be great. And you can send them uh, to our email account if you want to, at SportsDayTB. At SportsDayTB, you can reach me at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. And as always, rate and review this podcast. You can get it absolutely anywhere that you can get podcasts, right? Yeah, iTunes or Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, TuneIn, anywhere you get podcasts. Just do a search for Sports Day Tampa Bay. Hit that subscribe button so it automatically downloads to your mobile device every day. Then you can listen anytime you want. And uh, if you rate, review it, or better yet, share it with a friend, that always helps us out. And if you'd like to sponsor the podcast, we only have one or two spots left. Uh, contact Monica Boyer. She's our sales manager. She can hook you up. Her number is 813-957-0836. That's 813-957-0836. And if you uh, can't remember that, just reach out to Rick or myself, and we'll uh, get you in touch. Now, Monica's been excited about the phone. It's been ringing a lot, and a lot of people coming aboard. You'll hear about those new sponsors here uh, in the next couple weeks or so. So we appreciate that. And it's all in part because of our biggest sponsor who has been with us from the beginning, and that's Continental Wholesale Diamonds, our friend Andy over there, a uh, big friend of the podcast and and somebody that has supported me throughout uh, my career, both in radio and now. Uh, and listen, it, I'm telling you, $2,000 for your loved one, uh, you're going to get the best diamonds you can find, and f- what you get for that $2,000 will go further at Continental Wholesale Diamonds than anywhere in the shopping malls where they got the big overhead Andy's going to hook you up. Andy's going to find you the perfect diamond for your loved one. And get this, you get to go on a five-night, four-day cruise to the Caribbean, cruise line of your choice, islands of your choice in the Caribbean. This is something you can't pass for $2,000. So buy her something special and then take her on uh, maybe that second honeymoon or maybe your first honeymoon or maybe just a a getaway to the islands uh, on Continental Wholesale Diamonds. Make sure you get that done. So I'll be back at One Buck Place. We'll have lots of reports from there and, of course, the Rays uh, as they continue on uh, through this season after their big uh, big road trip as they come out of the AL East with a, with a winning record on this road trip. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times for Steve Versnick. Have a great Monday, everybody. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.